take our Bibles here uh, this morning, and uh, let's turn to a familiar text, uh, Proverbs chapter 17, Proverbs chapter 17, and uh, I want to speak to you on the subject of friendship here today. I think there's a lot of confusion when it comes to friendship, and uh, certainly, again, uh, the word uh, can be loosely used uh, in many different ways, and certainly is used in many different ways in our world here today. But uh, I think the best definition in, in many ways uh, of what friendship is is found in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 17. And so, again, if you have a friend, uh, I, I believe, again, a friend will, will uh, do what Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says. And so we'll start there here this morning as we consider this thought, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, it says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Let's go and pray as we consider some thoughts on friendship this morning and Jesus' friendship with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word here today. Father, we, we count it a, a privilege to have at least one friend. Father, there's many in this world that have what they may think many friends, but in reality, they really only maybe have one true friend. Again, as we consider the word of God here today, we thank you for friendship. We thank you for those who are friends and ask that you again just reveal to us what friendship truly entails, especially that of true friendship. Again, bless this time as we meet here again today. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. No, I think a, a pastor should, should talk and strive to, to preach and to teach on friendship. Um, one of the reasons why I would do this and why we should do this, and maybe, again, remind people to do this, because uh, we have the redefining of many things going on in our society, and, and one of the things is, is that of being friends. Uh, again, as, as we think about friends, the Bible says, a friend loveth at all times. You know, I looked up that word friend and what does it, what is it defined as? It's defined simply as a companion, a fellow, a comrade. And yet I found a definition of a friendship that I believe hits close to what it truly is. And it's found in this verse and was also found in one of the defining things about friendship. And one of the things I really want you to get about friendship because if you don't believe this about friendship, you kind of miss the whole thing about friendship. And it's simply uh, defined in these terms, one who loves. What is a friend is one who loves. You know, we can talk about friendship as being companionship, camaraderie, fellowship, uh, companionship, close association, a buddy, whatever you want to call it. But a, really, a friendship is one who loves. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know, I think today it's hard to have friendships because there are very few that really will take time to love, time to love, or try to love, or to show mercy and love. Uh, Jesus, again, sets the example of friendship as being the best friend and the only friend that you can truly count on because he always loves. A friend loveth at all times. 
And it's been said there's nothing like a lifelong friend. You know, Jesus goes beyond that. He can be an everlasting, ever, never-ending kind of a friend. You know, I think about friendships and I think about how people are over busy, overstretched, over, uh, you know, overdoing or overscheduling many times in their life. And so they don't really have friends today. Not many friends today. You know, we'll settle for Facebook friends. You know, many people, and again, people can be for, for Facebook or against French, uh, Facebook. And, and I get both sides there to some degree, uh, face, uh, Facebook friends. But really, to be a friend, you have to be a face-to-face friend. Someone says, what do you mean face-to-face friend? It talks about how, again, in the Old Testament, Abraham was called the friend of God. He was one who loved God. He's one that talked to God. He was one that spoke to God. And uh, face to face, as a man speaketh to his friends. It's a face to face friendship. It's that, that real needy kind of friendship that people desire and really want to have, but many times too busy really to, to work at friendship or be involved with a friendship. You know, friend is one that loves. And you know, anyone can do that. They can show love. They can be a friend to someone who needs love. You know, what we really need is truly, again, churches that love missionaries. We need church members that love people. We need people that truly will love in a real way that people can see it. It can be very discouraging and disappointing finding out maybe that someone wasn't truly a friend. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. As we speak about friendship here today, friendship is about loving and it's about showing. And it may be about even giving here as we see in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 15 to verse number 18. You know, the Philippians were a friend to Paul. They weren't forced to love Paul, but they, they chose to love Paul. And they were first really as a church, it seems like. And again, I might not be quite right on this, but I mean, in the case of where it mentions here in Philippians, it, it seems like they were the first really to, to show love to Paul. I mean, in, in a real way, not that the other churches didn't love Paul. I'm, I'm sure they did uh, in, in different ways and in, in different degrees. But notice here in Philippians 4 verse 15 how Paul points out how the Philippians were a little bit different than those other churches around him. In verse number 15, it says, Now ye Philippians know also that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even as Thessalonica, ye sent once and again to my necessities. Not because I desire to get, but I desire the fruit may abound to your account. You know, there was a church known for giving and giving to Paul's missionary endeavors. What church was that? The church at Philippi. The church at Philippi. You say, again, do you say, did they, did, did they show love to Paul just once? No, it says 
For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto me of my necessity. Again, what I needed. And, and when I think about one who loves, and again, a, a friend is the one who loves, is one who shows love when there's need for love. Well, there's need for someone to love. Let's turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. There's a great example here in, in the book of John of Jesus expressing his love. But Jesus did this in many different ways throughout his ministry. And if you'll study through the gospel, you'll see Jesus love and love and love again. You say, how do you know he was a friend? He was one who showed love. He was one who communicated love. He was one that is known for his love. And here we see that case of him helping a man who needed someone to love him. John chapter 5, let's pick up here in verse number 1. We'll read down to verse number Eight, and then I'm going to skip over to verse number 15. John chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, And after this was a feast to the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there at Jerusalem by the, the sheep market, a pool that was called in the Hebrew term Basedada, having five porches. And in these lay a, a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, of halt, of withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain seasons into the pool and troubled the water, and whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and, and knew that he had now been a long time in that cause, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered, Sir, I, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool, but when I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, and take up thy bed, and walk. Skip down to verse number 15. It says, And afterward Jesus findeth him in a temple, and saith unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. Now, if we took some time, and I, I plan on possibly here uh, in, the, in the near future going through the book of John, uh, considering this account and other accounts in the book of John, but uh, as we consider this account here in the book of John, we see a man that's friendless. He simply has no friends. So you say, if he had a friend, what would a friend do for an impotent man? Well, in this case, again, they were in a, in a special place. And again, I don't exactly understand this place at all, but the Bible mentions there's this place, uh, mentions a, a pool, verse number two, by the sheep market. And uh, there's, uh, there's five porches there, and it's called Basayada, which means mercy. It's a place of mercy. And at this place in verse number three, there's, it says that there lays a great multitude of impotent uh, folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And so what are they waiting for? There's, there's a multitude of people that need help, physical help. The Bible describes them in three different ways there. They're either blind, they're halt, or withered. So they're paralytic. A lot of them are unable to see. Again, they have, again, physical ailments. And what are they waiting for? They're waiting for, verse number four, for the water 
uh, to be stirred by an angel. And as soon as this water was to be stirred by the angel, the first person who stepped into that water would be healed and whole. And I don't know how often this happened. And again, this is a very, you know, I would call it a strange uh, situation in the Bible. But again, there have been people that have been healed here and been made whole here. And, and there's this guy, again, hanging out here. And he's hanging out there. And it doesn't say how long he was hating, hanging out there. But in verse number five, it says he had had an infirmity for 38 years. You know, if, if we have an infirmity, and, and many of us have infirmities, they're, they're but temporary, physical problems, physical issues. Uh, but this guy had for 38 years, and again, that's a long time. And, and again, uh, someone says, how long is that? That's a, that's a long, long time. That's about half of a lifetime at least. And so for half of his lifetime in general, again, I'm just picking, you know, because we live about 70, 80 years, he had, had this infirmity of the flesh, and it says there, and it, and it says in verse number six, and when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the infinite man said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another step it down before me. Now, you, you, you see in this case in the Bible, Again, so, so many different things we could just uh, settle and look at this account. But again, this, this man says, I have no man. I have no man that will help me. I have no man to assist me to get there first. There's no way I can get to the pool and into the water first. And so he said, I, I've tried this before. In verse number seven, it says, but while I am coming, another step it down before me. And so there's, there's this, this man, again, he's an impotent man, he's a crippled man, or he's a blind man, we don't know, or he's a withered uh, type of man, or he's a whole kind of a man, and, and he has no ability to get the, to the water and hear this troubling. Now, if he's a blind man, you say, how would he know that the water was troubled? He'd hear it. And then maybe as soon as the water was troubled, he'd head towards the water. Maybe he'd, he'd try to creep his way over to the water. If he's halt, he'd kind of try to move his body towards the water and not uh, get to the water. However, you just, just imagine this man. It doesn't tell us exactly, again, about how this man is, but we, uh, we think he's a, a crippled kind of a man because it says in verse number 8, it says, And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And so there was a, a multitude of people that needed help here. And uh, someone says, How do you know that Jesus is the best and the very best friend and we have a friend in Jesus is because this man had no man to help him and Jesus was willing to be that man you know there's a lot of people I believe in this society that are looking for someone to help them they're not necessarily looking for a handout they're looking for a handout you know we're, we're so hard on people sometimes you say oh they all they want is handouts all these poor people want they want handouts 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 you know, some maybe just want a hand up or a helping hand or an assisting hand or whatever it might be. But the Bible says of this, this, this individual who, again, we know for sure that he was definitely someone who, who was, uh, who, who, who was uh, again, uh, halt or maim or whatever man that mentions him as being impotent in verse number three. And again, that 
impotent, that word impotent means, means he's weak. And so he's a weak, handicapped kind of a man of some kind. Might be both of sight and, and physically handicapped. We don't know for sure. But it mentions again all these individuals waiting there for the stirring of the water. So when this angel would come there, they could get there first and be healed and made whole. Can you imagine how desirous it might be and how many people would gather there to gather at this place that they might be made whole? I'm sure there are many. The Bible mentions a great multitude. If you knew of a place, I don't care how far it was away, but if you knew you could go to a place and be made whole, wouldn't you hang around there and maybe stay there and, and come to that kind of place? Yes, you would. And again, as the water was stirred, some would be made whole, and, and you'd find out about it. You'd see it. You might not see it. You might hear it. You might find out about it. And as people were made whole, one, and again, and we don't know how many times or anything like that, but it mentions this place being called, in the Hebrew tongue, a pool called Bethsaida, a place of mercy. You know, it's interesting, a place of mercy, and this man wanted to be made whole. He tried to get to a place where he could be made whole, but he says in verse number five, I have no man. You know, this, this man needed a friend. You know, one of the things we need to consider in life as, as Christians is we are to be that friend. We are to be that friend who seeks to look for someone maybe who, who has no man, who has no friend, who has nobody that can help him. The truth is there are many fair-weather friends. There are many nominal friends. There are many, actually, I'll just mention, you can have even a bad friend who might love you, in a sense, as a, as a definition is of one who loves, but might lead you in the wrong direction. You know, you got to uh, think about friends, and, and we think about friends as one who, who makes trials easier because they're there to help you. A friend is someone, again, who assist you in some way. He, he or she may help you with the burden that you have or an ailment that you have or maybe struggles that you have or maybe uh, just someone to talk to you about some issues or someone to counsel you or whatever it might be. But that's what a friend is about. It's a, it's a fellow. It's a comrade. It's a companion that loves. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's is someone that loves and, and shows loves and, and doesn't, you know, necessarily, you know, someone says, well, our friend is this. Well, let me ask you, has that friend done something or helped you in some way or blessed you in some way? We could talk about friends. My friend, this is my friend, that's my friend or whatever it might be. But uh, again, a true friend is someone who will help you or assist you in some way. We see Jesus be a friend to this, this man. And we'll get back to him a little bit later here in the message. But as you think about friends, a, a friend is someone to help or assist you, someone who truly shows love to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and uh, verse number 9 and verse number 10, the Bible says, says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. We, we think about, again, a friend is a fellow. Again, that's one of the definitions of a friend is a fellow. What, is a what does a fellow friend do? The Bible says, 
He hath not another left lift him up. And so what does a friend do? A friend lifts somebody up. Friendship is about being supportive and helpful. Truth is without Jesus, this impotent man didn't have a friend. He didn't have someone sit by him. His name was George or whatever it might be or or Zacchaeus or whatever it might be back in those days. Maybe these Bible kind of names. Didn't have someone next to him that could could take him and say, here, I'll put you in the water. You'll be first. You'll be healed. You'll be made whole. No, he had to, had to try to make it his way and try to get to the pool by himself. And he, and he always would miss out there. The water was troubled. Someone else getting first. He had no friend. What is a friend? Someone that loves Again, the Bible says in Proverbs 17, a friend loveth at all times. A friend loveth at all times. Proverbs 18, verse number 24, it says here, a friend, so, sorry, it says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And so, again, as we t- discuss this, this subject of friendship, there, the Bible says there's a friend Let's get closer than the brother. Who is that friend? That's Jesus. He stick us closer to brother. He's better in many ways, maybe even than a brother. Jesus is the perfect friend. He is the model friend. He is the best friend. He surpasses all kinds of friends in the Bible. And we think of friends, and we think of friends, and we say, it's one who loves. You know, I've often wondered why people will say a dog is man's best friend. Why do they say that? You know, I've wondered, and someone says, you know, a dog being man's best friend? Well, I'm just saying, there are dogs, and they love. Not like we love, but maybe they, they do love, right? Have you, have you ever heard stories of how, how maybe a dog came along when maybe it could be another dog or it could be a wolf or it could be just a person who is, is coming to someone's house and, and again, they're seeking to destroy or hurt or maim or someone in that household and, and along comes that dog again, uh, maybe defending the, the household, defending their master, so to speak, and all those kind of things and showing love in the home. I mean, I'm not here to try to get someone to a place where they think, you know, dogs love more than people love. But honestly, dogs do love sometimes, do they not? In deeds and in truth. Again, someone says you're, you're, you're extending the, the word friend or love too much, but the love is about being friendly. You know, if a dog saved the life of someone else, wouldn't that be showing love? Let me ask you this. If a, if a dog jumped into the river and rescued maybe a two-year-old from the river from drowning, wouldn't that be showing love? It would be. It would be rescuing maybe that child from death. And it's certain that would be a loving act. And someone says, I don't understand why they say dogs are, are man's best friends because, you know, not all the time are we as loving maybe as even a dog. 
You know, dogs in the Bible aren't necessarily looked at as good even. <laughs> you can look at the definition of dogs. They're looked at scavengers, raveness, and all these kind of things. And maybe some are selfish, but a dog can love. As we think about love, and we think about a friend, a friend is one who loves. And let's look at this thought of love. How does a friend love? Let me say, first of all, beneficially. A friend loves beneficially. It is not to benefit themselves, but to benefit the person that they are being a friend to. This guy in John chapter 5, verse number 7, had no man that would come along and be a friend to him. Nope. Nobody that would say, you know what, I, I see you've been trying to get in the pool so many, many times before, and you always seem to miss it, but you always seem to struggle to try to get there, but you can't get there, and, and there's nobody to help you or benefit to you or whatever it might be. And, and, uh, and uh, so, so this man just continues to just sit there hoping maybe, you know, maybe the group will get smaller, or maybe somehow we'll get there quicker, or maybe somehow we'll get into the water. But the best friend is someone who helps others beneficially. You know, if I'm a friend to anyone, I'm going to help and benefit them in some cause or some, some way in their life. True people can, can call themselves friends and all those kind of things, but if I have an infirmity or if I have something I need help with or whatever it might be, uh, a friend is someone who will come along and, and seek, seek to benefit me in some way. They'll help me maybe to where I need to be spiritually. They'll sharpen me, as the Bible talks about, Iron sharpeneth iron, and how friends do this. Mark chapter 16, if you turn over there, Jesus sold himself a friend of sinners. He sold himself a friend of publicans. He sold himself a friend of the saints. And, and you, you study closely the Bible, and you'll see uh, Jesus a friend. Always a friend. Ever a friend. Never not a friend. Whatever he said was, again, for the purpose of friendship. God is love, and Jesus manifested love when he showed himself on earth during his earthly ministry. Mark chapter 16, verse number 17, the Bible says, Go thy way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before thee to Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You know, you think about Jesus... Jesus singles out Peter as someone to be made sure that he knows that Jesus still cares about him. Jesus owes him the best of friends to both the disciples and Peter, helping them and encouraging them and, and seeking here to restore Peter, who had denied him, and yet he loved him. Go tell the disciples and Peter. See also... Jesus confronting Judas at his betrayal, say, unto him the words, friend. Friend. He that hath friends must show himself friendly. And so how do you, how do you truly show yourself as a friend? You, you seek to help people beneficially. He was called a friend of publicans and sinners. You say, how did he benefit publicans and sinners? He taught them the truth. He told them the truth. He helped them with the truth. 
He spoke the gospel to them so that they could be saved and they could be in heaven someday. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 11. You say, how can I be a friend? Well, let me say this. You can be a friend to, uh, to those who don't know the truth. Uh, certainly, again, Jesus was a friend to, to those that didn't know the truth. He was a friend to this man that didn't know the power that lied within him to, to heal, to create. All these kind of things that Jesus could do. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, it says, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. I am meek and lowly heart, and you shall find rest for your soul, for my soul Rest your soul, my yoke is easy and my burden light. Truth is, Jesus sold him to be a friend. Come unto me all. All. You know, some people be a friend to certain kinds of people because they, you know, hey, you know, I, I can see them. I, I can see being a friend to them and they can be a friend to me. And, and we can have those kind of relationships. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that you know you can see someone maybe they can sharpen you and 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 vice versa sharpen me but again with jesus he he says come on to me all they are heavy laden and i'll give you rest i'll seek to benefit everyone despite defects despite warts despite issues despite bad past whatever it might be jesus never failed to be a friend we fail him we ignore him, and we may call him our friend. But I wonder if we always are in a position, really, where we show ourselves good friends to the Lord Jesus. Are we seeking to benefit him as he seeks to benefit us? And so we see the, that love is, is a beneficial interaction, and that, again, friendship is, is about benefiting someone else and helping someone else, assisting that person maybe who falls and lifting them up, that fellow, whoever it might be. Proverbs chapter 17, let's go back there and just look at this uh, quickly, this thought of, of friendship. Friendship is about benefiting. And uh, Jesus loves for our benefit. He certainly, again, gave his life for our benefit. He sacrificed his life to give us salvation if we'll accept his, his sacrifice for sin and benefit us. But he also, as, as I want to mention here, of Jesus being our best friend, is, is that he loves bountifully. A friend loveth at all times. Jesus loves bountifully. The word bountifully means much or in great measure. He, he bountifully loves. He, again, seeks to love and not just Again, a one-on-one -on -one way, but in, in trying to be a friend to so many. In fact, to all. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Jesus did something as, as, uh, as needful as this man needed a man. Uh, Jesus did something as need, needful uh, for this man, more needful uh, than us and this man. And and helping us with the need that we have. And, and the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. It says, For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would dare to die. But God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. 
For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of a son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We think about Jesus, and we can say this about he loved bountifully. He died for bad men. He died for sinful men. He died for all men. He died for his enemies. You know, we think about people in friendship. Many times, again, we, we seek out friends that, that uh, maybe can only benefit us or bless us. No matter what we do, no matter what we go, no matter what we say, Jesus is a friend of sinners. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Man's best friend is Jesus because he loves all the times. There are some that are certainly uh, fair weather friends or some certainly that are maybe good friends or some maybe that are greater friends. But there's no one like Jesus that loves like he loves. He's a friend to publicans and sinners, to those that had infirmities and all kinds of different issues in the Bible. He was their friend. And so again, we think about friendship and again, defining how Jesus loves us. He loves us in a bountiful way. He loves us daily. He loves us every hour, every minute, every second of every day. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, it's hard to define how friendly and how the friendship of Jesus is, but I want to say this thirdly about this friendship. He, he, he again loves us undeservedly. Undeservedly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32, the Bible says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Again, as we think about Jesus' friendship, we see again that here in this passage of Scripture, it speaks about being kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And so in a friendship, there's this need to love at all times. But what if a friend messes up? What if a friend betrays you? What if a friend hurts you? What if a friend lies about you? What if a friend... Uh, somehow maybe betrays you like a Judas did. A friend loves at all times. And the Bible says we should love like Jesus, being willing to forgive. And be kind one to another. He's writing to a church here, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so there's going to be a need to forgive one another in a church setting, in a Christian setting, in relationship settings. And so Jesus encourages us to, to, to forgive as he forgave. He forgives undeservedly and unreservedly. Again, one might, again, offend a friend or hurt a friend and, and all those kinds of things. And certainly in friendship, there's sometimes rough seas that we go through. And, and again, in a friendship, we just seek to be like the Lord Jesus and love undeservedly and love as Jesus loves, in a kind way. Be kind one to another. Be kind. I want to mention something else here about the friendship here that Jesus 
uh, is willing to give to us and is directed towards us. Let's turn to John chapter 5, verse number 6. People don't see this kind of friendship. They're looking in the world for a friend, someone maybe who will love them, someone who will show love toward them, maybe someone who maybe will be a, a friend to them. And certainly, again, there's a need for friendship, but there's certainly, again, good friendships. But again, as we consider the friendship of Jesus as a, a model kind of a friendship, let me say this uh, fourthly about his friendship. Uh, he he uh, was someone who loved truthfully and openly. Truthfully and openly. Again, back to our text here in John chapter 5, in verse number 6, the Bible says, And when Jesus saw him lie, and when he had been now a long time in that case, he saith them, What wilt thou Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But when I am coming down, another step is then before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise up, take up thy bed and walk. And, meet. and the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day with the Sabbath, the Jews therefore said unto him, That was cured, is it? It's a Sabbath. It's not lawful to thee for carry thy bed. And he answered, He that made me whole the same said unto me, Take up thy bed. Then asked him, What man is that that said unto thee, Take up thy bed? He that healeth was not who he was. For Jesus had not conveyed himself away in a multitude being in the place. And afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and saith unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. That's the worst thing come unto thee. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. You know, you find in the case of Jesus, again, Jesus doing something on the Sabbath day. And him helping someone and being a friend on the Sabbath day. And I'm sure he knew before this happened that he'd get in trouble for this. And yet he did this. The best kind of friend will, again, open, uh, openly communicate with you as we see him there, openly communicate with him, and, and again, even, in a sense, uh, rebuke him uh, for the sin he, he is involved with or was involved with. He says, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. That's the worst thing come on to thee. No, Jesus, again, told him to sin no more. Quit sinning. Stop sinning. Lest the worst thing come upon thee. And he called, I believe, this man to repentance here. And again, he didn't even know that this, this man didn't even know who healed him. Someone says, well, he, he got saved because he, he, he was healed because he, he knew who Jesus was. No, he, he didn't know anything about who Jesus was. Again, you read through the text, he doesn't he doesn't know he is. People ask him, who cured you? He said, I don't know. In so many words, he says, uh, he answers, said that he that made all the same said, take up thy bed and walk. There's a guy who said to me, take up thy bed and walk. He's the guy that made me whole. Who is he? Finds out later as he goes to the temple in verse number 14. I wonder why he went to the temple. Maybe again to give thanks in the temple. But anyways, he went to the temple. Again, it's a Sabbath day. And he said unto behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. Truth is, again, we need to be the best kind of friends. The best kind of friends will 
will speak the truth in love to those that need the truth, wherever they might be. A father and mother can be a friend maybe to a child that needs to be warned, or whatever it might be, to help them. We see Jesus warn him as a friend. Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. Again, part of, the, part of a friendship is sometimes warning or wounding a friend. In fact, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter warning and wounding of a friend. Now, that's not something you do, you know, just to do. I mean, I can wound my friends because, you know, they got to they gotta still love me. You know, friendship's about loving and all these kind of things. You don't do that, but it mentions here in Proverbs 27, verse number 6, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes a friend has to correct. Sometimes a friend might have to say, you better stop this. Maybe a friend has to say, communicate counsel to a, to a friend and say, this is not good, this is not needful, this is, this is going to be harmful, this is going to hurt you, or whatever it might be. And again, in part, of, part of friendship is communicating the truth of the gospel, communicating truths about what is right and wrong, communicating truth of things can hurt you. Jesus communicated to this man, you're made whole. You can walk now. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. Call this man to repentance. Turn to John chapter 6. You know, when it comes to relationships and comes to friendships, a friend needs to be in a position where he or she can communicate openly and helpfully and, and uh, truthfully to a friend who uh, might need it. And uh, certainly we find that with the ministry of Jesus. John chapter 6 and verse number 65 the Bible says, He said, Therefore said I unto them, that no man can come unto me except it were given him of the Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, We also go away. Then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe that thou art sure, and thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you, is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, of the son of Simon, to whom he, sorry, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. You know, a friend will deliver the truth. You know, a false friend will deliver you a lie. There are times we need to hear pointed, open, communicated communication. You have no brother or friend than one that will tell you the truth. Might therefore become your enemy because I've told you the truth. Paul wrote to the churches at Galatia in Galatians chapter 4. Might therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Jesus spoke truthfully, honestly, openly, publicly to his friends. And he asked them a pointed question. Verse 27, hey, you 12, are you going to go away? Peter says, no, I'm not going away. 
And yet he says there in verse number 70, have I not chosen 12 of you and one of you is a devil? Man, uh, he never said something like that uh, so pointedly to the disciples. And uh, he mentions one of you is a devil. You know, why did he do that? Why did he say that at that point, that one of you is a devil? Maybe to enlighten them? Maybe in a sense to warn Judas? But he was a friend in doing so. Being a friend is, is, it involves, again, communicating truthfully, honestly, openly. Uh, true friendship is about truthful communication and helpful communication. Let's turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, just about done here. There's one final point that I'd like to consider when we consider Jesus as our very best friend. He is one who, again, truthfully shares the truth with us that we may be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. He delivers the truth to us so we can guide our life in the right way. He told, again, again Judas, who was lost, that in so many words he needed to be saved. John chapter 13, verse number 1, he didn't call him out by name, but he called him out as a friend. One of you is a devil. One of you is a devil. John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, And now, after the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hours would come, they should depart out of this world unto his Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. The Bible mentions of Jesus He's a friend. He loves unto the end. And let me just say this about friendship. Friendship is about loyalty. Friendship is about loyalty. When someone talks about a friend, someone who's been loyal or faithful to them. It might be the beginning stages of loyalty or or faithfulness, but again, when we speak of Jesus as being a true friend, he is someone who is loyal and faithful to us, even if others forsake us. Let's turn to Uh, Psalm chapter 27, Psalm chapter 27. Maybe at some point in your life you find someone who maybe goes astray as a friend. Or maybe, again, is just off in the weeds somewhat spiritually as a friend. And uh, maybe they got in the wrong way, done some things, maybe messed up this, that, or the other thing. And and you might think, well, certainly they they aren't a friend anymore. And uh, it's maybe not ours to judge. They still love you. Friends love. A friend loves all the time. Psalm 27, verse number 10, it says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Who's writing this? This is David. David had a good dad. Don't know anything really about his mom there, but he had certainly a good man. But he says, When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. You can count on Jesus being willing always to take us up, being always there for us, in a sense. As long as we're living and and as long as we're alive, there's grace, there's help, there's a hand to lift us up. Let's turn to uh, John chapter 15. Truly the best friend is Jesus because of the loyalty he shows. And uh, John chapter 15, verse number 12, we say, how is loyalty sometimes manifested? Well, look at this in John 15, verse number 12, and verse number 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. 
laying down his life for us. Certainly so his love for us. The Bible talks about in Romans, there's nothing that will separate the Christian from God. doesn't matter if death, life, principality, power, all those kind of things, nothing will separate us from the love of God. And so let's turn back to our text there in John chapter 5, verse number 7. Let me, let me ask you today, are you someone who knows about friendship? Do you understand what friendship is truly about? Again, it's about loving. Again, Proverbs 17, verse 17, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. John chapter 5, verse number 7 says, the impotent man answered, said, Sir, I have no man when the waters trouble to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise up, take up thy bed, and walk. You see Jesus showing himself truly a friend. Again, the marks of friendship. Some that loves beneficially, some that loves bountifully, some that loves unreservedly or undeservedly, some the one that loves truthfully, and someone that loves loyally. Let me encourage you to be a friend. Let me encourage you to be a friend. Let's close as we consider the word of God here today.